0: months ago, when Janet and I were on holiday, we watched an episode of a television show called uh, Lego Masters. It's a reality TV show in which teams of people build the most astonishing things out of Lego bits. And it raised a deeply significant philosophical question for me. Uh, You're thinking, Lego Masters, seriously? Well, come with me for just a minute. So The team that built this amazing structure, and I can't remember whether or not they won, really grabbed my attention. They built a chain of life. So they had something small on the bottom and quite edible and low on the food chain. And just above that, they had, with Lego, built something bigger, some predatorial bird. And on top of that, something else. And on top of that, something else. And on top of that, something else. And this amazing structure all hung on a, on a, on a, on a single point, And you could see the, the significance of this chain of life experience. Now, the philosophic question it raised for me is, what does all that hang on? Each thing in the chain had something above it that was bigger. More powerful. Seeking to eat it. And above that, something else more powerful. And on Lego Masters, all they could do is build the chain to, you know, four, five, six, maybe seven kind of layers. But if you built a model of reality, what's on top? What do you hang all of that on? It's a really important question. What does it all hang on? What is at the top of the predatorial chain? And Christians have an answer. And this is why we sing. We have an answer, and it's why we sing in worship. It's why we sing in in our private devotions. It's why we sing, most particularly, at funerals. Because we have this conviction that at the top of that chain of life is a loving God who has created everything. Everything. And he is only interested in swallowing one thing, death. The only thing he is interested in swallowing is the reason why there is such a chain, why there is such violence and evil and sin, why there is such predatorial behavior in the hearts of human beings and woven into the brokenness of creation. That's what he wants to swallow, and that is why Christians sing at funerals. Listen to an ancient song. Wonderful words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 55, "Where o death is your victory? Where o death is your sting?" The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The phrase just before everything that I read says, death has been swallowed up in victory. It's a quote from Isaiah. As the next verse is a quote from Hosea. This Ancient understanding embedded in the Hebrew people's hearts and minds that the universe is overseen by a loving God. And that God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of Jesus Christ our Lord, longs to swallow death. And it has begun. In the work of Jesus Christ. So, why do we sing at funerals? Well, there's all kinds of reasons, aren't there, really. It could be because the deceased left instructions They said, you know, you will sing and you will sing this. That happens quite frequently. It could be for nostalgia and memories. We know that there's a certain comfort in it. The sense of community, the solidarity in the midst of grief is a reason for singing. There are traditions and expectations in the expectations of others. There's a sense of worship. There's a desire to praise God. And often, we actually want to acknowledge something of the individual's life and experience. So there might be music that triggers memories about them or special things that were shared. All good reasons. The Christian faith sings because Jesus rose from the dead. And I want to give you three ways to think about the significance of singing in the face of death and in the midst of life, singing at funerals, And every place where death seems to be prominent. Two ways in which we understand our reason to sing. First, why sing at a funeral? It's an act of defiance. It's an act of defiance in the face of death. It is an act that says no to the powers of evil. And yes, to the presence of God's love. And second, it is an act of soul care in the midst of life. It's an act of defiance in the face of death. It's an act of soul care in the midst of life. And singing can serve something of God's kingdom work in us. Let's think for a moment about the ways in which it's an act of defiance. That's exactly what that, that little bit in 1 Corinthians 15 is doing. Where is your victory now? Death. Can you hear the taunt in it? Where, oh grave? is your sting? Where sheol, where hell is the bite of your story? Where is it? It's a taunting phrase. It's a defiant posture. And we are invited as believers to live a kind of defiance in the face of what seems so strong in our world because we serve one who is stronger, because we know a love that is stronger. We sing in the face of death, because the most powerful thing in the whole cosmos is the love of God made known to us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Have you seen those pictures in wartime of an individual who defies the movement of violence? There's a famous picture of one person standing in front of a tank, and the tank moves, and the person moves. Have you seen that video clip? And the, 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 the person moves in the other direction and, uh, to, you know, to, to stop the tank, and the tank moves, and it's this crazy moment where the defiance of one individual is, is impacting what's happening. Christians are invited to be those sorts of people who stand in places where it is not always easy to be. Funerals, it's not, not an easy place to be. And we, we defy the power and progress, the very presence of evil with the resources of Jesus Christ. We are a people who live a protest against death itself and all its power and all its impact. Do you know that movie, The Sound of Music, the Austrian movie? Uh, It's an oldie. And if you go to Austria, they don't even know that movie. It's it's an American movie. Version of the telling. There's actually a German movie about that family, which the Austrians know and love, and sticks a little closer to the truth of that family. They were an amazing group of people, incredible singers, not just children doing trite tunes. They sang complex music. And the father was not kind of so grumpy as the movie portrays. Family didn't like that about the American version. Father actually was a deeply loving individual, deeply caring for his family. The bit of the movies that, that are true is the way in which the family stood in defiance of evil. And in the movie Sound of Music, there's that wonderful scene where we're at the end, we're, we're going to flee, and the father sings Edelweiss. It is the, it is the anthem of the Austrians. It is, it is an act of defiance as the Nazi regime have the whole room surrounded and they're waiting to arrest the family, but the whole crowd sings Edelweiss. It is a protest to the advance of evil and death. And that is what Christians are invited to do. That's what we're doing in a funeral setting. It's what we're doing in the walk of life. Wherever we experience the encroaching realities of violence and death, we raise a protest, and we celebrate the one who has swallowed up death. That image of swallowing is a great image. It's useful to think about death in two modes. There's small d, death, and there's capital D, death. Small d, death is what happens in your garden as the seasons change. It's what inevitably comes to our pets, and the reality is it comes to our bodies. It is the reality of the world in which we live. But then there's capital D, death. The book of Revelation talks about the first death and the second death. There is is an understanding in which death is not just the thing that is happening in your garden and to your pet and to your own mortal body, it is a power at work in the world. It is, it is, and the Bible gropes for language here, it gropes for metaphors and images. It is something bigger than the little happenings. It is, it is right in the system of the world, its principalities and powers, its authorities in high places, its darkness overwhelming and marching forward, capital D, death. And it impacts family structures and business interactions and and, and good relationships, making them toxic. It does all kinds of damage in creation, capital D, death. It is also helpful to think about life as lowercase life and uppercase life. Lowercase life being the experience that we are enjoying on this Planet, the interactions that we have with each other, the vitality that is in this creation, but capital L life being the principle of life and light itself. Jesus came into this world and he was life, we are told. He was light and he brought something profound. And here's the good news capital L life swallows small d death, and you can count on that capital L, life, the life which is in Christ, swallows, swallows up the experiences of death that we have. And if that's all there were to the story, that would be good, but capital L, life, swallows up, wait for it, capital D, death. The life which is in Christ, swallows up the death that is at work in the creation. Death doesn't have eternal life. Death is, is, is going to expire. Death and God's eternity are incompatible. This is astonishing. And that is what we sing and celebrate. That is the hope that we possess. You need a pack man image in your mind. If you were alive in the 1980s and played Pac-Man, you know what I mean. He's the little critter that goes chomp, 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 and, and, and is chasing all the little dots in the maze. And you win if you eat up all the dots. We serve a God who is at work right now today through the presence of Jesus Christ and his spirit in our world, confronting evil. The kingdom of God has come. It will come when capital L, life, swallows, capital D, death. Wait for it, live for it. Right now, today, that life of God is swallowing small d, death, again and again, all around us. And we're seeking it, seek the kingdom, and living into it, and celebrating its truth. And that is why we sing at funerals. It's not just at funerals, it's everywhere that we're confronting death. That spirit, that way of thinking, that posture of life needs to spill out everywhere. It needs to be how we confront life. We confront it knowing that death is contained within life itself. It's going to be swallowed. You know, the Trappist monks do an interesting thing. When they build their monasteries, they put the cemetery at the center of the compound. That's an interesting thing to do, isn't it? I mean, usually we want the cemetery on the edge of our communities and preferentially tall trees to keep it from view. The trappists do the opposite. They put the cemetery at the center of their lived experience so that the presence of death reminds them of mortality, reminds them of the fragility of life, but reminds them that it is life that has surrounded and conquered death. They do another interesting thing. Every time someone dies in the community, it is a celebration of their life in God and there is singing and there is liturgy. But as soon as they bury the individual, they begin, even partially, to dig the next grave. Isn't that confronting? And isn't that an act of defiance in the face of death that is able to say, we live with victory, we live with confidence, we live with a certain knowledge, that death has been swallowed up in the victory of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Now, O oh death, where is your sting? Now, O oh grave, where is your victory? You don't see me running away, do you? You don't see me cowering at the forces of evil. You don't see me backing down, because I am backed by the creator of the universe. What is, going, is bigger than the thing at the top of the chain that's going to eat and devour and destroy? Oh, bigger than that is the creative, loving God of the universe, who is only interested in swallowing one thing, and that is death itself. The sin, the evil, the brokenness, the pain that is within it, until there are no more, no more tears, until, until suffering is at an end, and there is the glory of God filling the earth. It's also an act of soul care to sing at funerals. It's an act of defiance, but it's also a gentle act. Paul gives a charge, stand firm. Encourage each other with these words, he says in 1 Thessalonians. And David draws a beautiful picture. Because you are my help, O God, I sing in the shadow of your wings. Sometimes Christian music sometimes hymns of faith that have been a part of our story or a brand new song that speaks to our circumstance can heal. It can, it can do a good work in us and for us. And music, and particularly listening to or singing the praises of God, it's soul care. It's soul care. It's work that sustains and helps us, and that's why we sing at a funeral. That's why we get everybody together and we sing some of the things that are our conviction, and it helps to heal the soul. It helps to renew our lives. Remember Paul and Silas? They were in prison in Philippi and into the night, and so they decided that they would start singing hymns. And it says that everybody in the jail cell could hear them, must have been an incredible witness. But what's interesting in that text is it makes very clear their motives, very clear the direction of their singing, very clear the, 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 the intent and purpose. They sang hymns to God. Anybody can listen. We're not that great singers. Anybody can listen. But understand this, we are singing to God. And it's, it's this verse from Psalm 73, because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. And that singing has a way of restoring and helping and renewing and enabling our souls. Use music. Sing. Engage the gracious goodness of God in music. Now, sometimes we can't sing. Sometimes the pain of grief is so great that you just can't sing. Sometimes it is your loss and it is so close that you are not so much like Paul and Silas in the prison cell. You're more like the Israelites in the exile journey to Babylon who said, they wanted us to sing the songs of Zion and we just couldn't. So we hung our harps on the poplar trees and we wept. Sometimes grief is so real that it does not help for somebody to be in your ears saying, listen to this, you know, here's a song I like. Come on, you need to sing with us because you can't. And in those moments, you need, oh, bless the Lord, if it is true for you, to be embedded in a community of people who will sing for you, to be surrounded by the kind of love that flows from the heart of God that will sustain you and help you and hold you. That is why we sing at funerals, I see it again and again. My vantage point for many, many funerals is amazing. Up here. And again and again and again. I see it. A family so overwhelmed with grief that they cannot get through each line of the song. They love the song, they love the words, they love the truth, but they can't, they can't get through each... They, and, and, and so often I've seen it happen that they just hang their harp on a poplar tree. <coughs> and they wait for the seasons that will come when healing will occur, when new life will bubble up, when God's promises will be real and true. And while they're doing that, there's a crowd around them singing the songs of Zion. There's a community of people who are able today to sing the truths of God, and they are healed. They are helped. They are restored. We sing at funerals and in the face of death and in every suffering circumstance because it is an act of soul care. We do it for our own souls when we are able. And sometimes we're imprisoned and we can sing. Sometimes, like David, who was writing poetry and singing and engaging with the emotion of his journey all the time, he says, Psalm 42, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. A prayer to God, the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go on mourning? He's in pain, and he can hear the songs of God, sung over him, sung to the creator of the world, sung on his behalf, and sometimes sputteringly sung from his own soul. That's why we sing at funerals. We sing... Is an act of defiance in the face of death because we are backed by the creator of the universe. And what's at the top of the carnivorous chain? A loving God who longs to swallow death itself. We sing as an act of soul care because we need to know that we are under God's wings, and we need to hear the melodies of life. And sometimes we can be the singer, and even when we can't, we can hear the melodies And even when we can't, we can be enfolded by a community that knows to sing the goodness of God in such moments. Can I invite us to stand? It's good to know why we sing at funerals, but the really powerful truth this morning is to take that into every experience of life where death is making a bid for the next moment where death itself is encroaching, where death itself is trying to take over, where evil wants to win the day. And it is the soul that can sing in the face of that that is preparing to sing at everybody else's funeral and at your own. To to face darkness with the knowledge that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. That, that is life in the kingdom. To face hurt and harm and suffering and pain and uncertainty and the unexplained and the difficult and the problematic, knowing that at at the top of the carnivorous chain is a loving God who is on your side. That is the gospel. Would you join me as we pray? Loving Lord Jesus Christ, how we thank you and praise you for your death upon the cross, that you entered the dog eat dog world in which we live. You entered the evil and the pain. You became sin. You became death for us. We might be given the gift of life, of eternal life, of a hope that flows into every dark space, and a compassion that can be present with us in every uncertain moment. Oh, loving God, grow that sense of the wonder of the gospel in our hearts. We come to you this morning, Heavenly Father, and we say yes to Jesus. Yes to the cross that has gathered up our pain. Yes to the victory over death that is our only hope. Yes to discipleship. Yes to following Jesus and living in this story. Bless your church, I pray, O oh God, here in this room and around the world. Bless our individual lives in Christ and give us the courage. Give us the miracle of grace that we might sing even in the face of death. Defiance against the evil and the prince of darkness of this world. And soul care as we live here in your everlasting arms. Bless us, Lord, we pray. Bless us, Lord, we ask. Bless us with victory. Victory in Jesus. Amen. Amen.